To Stazapod number 89, I asked you guys for some topics that I should touch upon for future Destazapods. We're going to go through those. Some of them I'm going to speak to today. Some I will flag as potential for an entire hyper-focused Destazapod in the future. Um, and uh, I, th- I got some great suggestions from you guys. So thank you very much. Let's hop in. Let's talk about a little bit of news. So, news for Knights of the Slice and Toy Pizza. What's going on? Uh, The store is back open. It's been closed for a couple weeks as uh, we have major changes happening to the fulfillment process. And um, I'm going to need to close the store more frequently and um, just to sort of keep up with the volume as I'm doing fulfillment myself. Um, The store is back open and there are a couple refreshed items and a couple new items. So first up, we have the Alexander Frankenslice figure. This was a Patreon gift, I think, two months ago, maybe three months ago. Uh, There's only a handful left, but they are put together and ready for you guys. So you can go grab them now. Um, Action figure of the month sticker pack. Uh, I have put together all the spare sort of stickers and labels from various action figure of the month packages from this past year. I don't have full sets for anybody, but there are some very interesting ones that people have been asking for. So for five bucks, you're going to get a nice little plastic baggie full of stickers, and that should keep you content and give you plenty of stuff to put on the underside of your skateboard. Rift Killer Cola Material Boy. I think there's only about five of these left. I put them up in the store. You guys can get them. And uh, he's going for $18, and he does smell like soda. How refreshing and nice. Uh, Back in the store, of course, the Ice Rat First Snow Winter Set. Uh, This is a bundle. I will break it up at a certain point in the future. It is not currently broken up. Um, I think you save a couple bucks by getting this bundle, so I advise you to do that. Modesty Garment for Sensitive Customers is also available. And don't forget, if you're a new patron, you have access to the Hyper Vice Knight, which was the Design a Knight figure from earlier this year that everybody voted on. We designed and made it together. And um, you, as a lucky patron, can order one and limited one per patron. But uh, if you've just joined us, go and do that, because this is a super limited figure. It will not be offered to the public. This is your only chance to get one. And um, once I sell out, that's it. Doesn't matter how many new patrons we get. Once the inventory is gone, that's it, baby. Gone, baby, gone. Like Casey Affleck's Boston accent. Um, You can find the password to that individual skew on my post from earlier today. Uh, Exom Hyper Knight, we got a few of those left from Decon. We're sold out of the Chicon. Um, Material Boy EPD 3-pack. You know, all the good stuff's there. There are only four second chance figures left. So our sale previously was a big blowout sale of all the remaining Action Figure of the Month inventory. I only have four styles left. And once these are gone, they're gone. And... Again, only a handful of each of these. Uh, we have January, the Metaruda. We have a little bit of both styles of the Old Knight Material Boy Do-It-Yourself for March. 
And then we have a smattering of the September Corellian, Sorellian Hypernite. And then his counterpart, the Noir Hypernite, um, you can see that when it came to Sorellian and Noir, I ordered a little bit more than usual. So lucky you guys, you can pick them up when you like. Capsules are being blown out. Uh, new capsules are on the way. I gotta make some room on the runway. So those are on sale. And special tip, if you are buying any of the Hypermicros, you will get an option to bundle with a capsule for a super reduced price, which is always a lot of fun. Now this store update is great and people are excited about it, but we do have one more, possibly one more, at least one more, maybe just one more, new item that will debut in the store in the near future. I don't know when. I mean, it could be nice to have a sort of Christmas Day item pop up. It could be nice to have a New Year's Day item pop up, but then I guess that would be next year. Um, so I'm going to play it by ear. The photos are done. We're building the skew. We're doing some corrections, and... Uh, it's going to be a doozy. This is really, truly, um, this is the item to end the year with. I'm very excited about it. I can't wait for you guys to see it. You're gonna flip out. I may see if uh, it's possible to sort of offer it early to patrons, but um, again, the challenge here is just hours in the day. I don't have enough time to do everything I'd like to do and I'm flying solo for the time being. So uh, bear with me. We're in the growing paint stage. But I think starting in January, things are going to get a lot easier. Uh, February of next year, we're going back to Clutter. And I got a concept for a show that I really like and I'm in love with and I'm toying with this idea. And I think it's going to be a lot of fun. So I hope you guys will join us. Clutter and Beacon. And um, the, who's who of us have ever been to... That's not right way to put that sentence together for those of us who have been to uh, a clutter opening and specifically our clutter openings they're a lot of fun it's such a great evening um, we usually go alongside two other shows in the gallery and that's also I think second Saturday so every gallery in Beacon on Main Street is sort of open and it's a really fun time and I'm looking forward to it it's going to be very exciting um, so if you need stuff in the store, it's back open. You can go do that. Patreon gifts. I have put together some small gifts for you guys, uh, including some surprises, some secrets. They are sitting in the workshop. They are waiting to be dispatched with your next order or at the end of the month, whichever comes first. So uh, I'm looking forward to getting those in your hand. And um, I appreciate you guys being patient in all the delays and mishaps and things like that. I, I think we're getting better. We're making headway. And uh, I long for the days with no mistakes. I think we're coming up on that pretty damn soon. So, folks, that's the sauce. We're going to move on to your topic ideas. Real quick before we hop into uh, the topics you guys have suggested, two birthday shout-outs. And look, birthdays, I don't know all your birthdays. Don't take it personal if I don't give you a birthday shout-out. But in this case, two very important people, very special people to me, have birthdays. 
and I wanted to say happy birthday to Mark Mosman and to Michael Scottam, who both are very integral to where we are today. Their efforts and their help have really helped uh, Knights of the Slice grow into something special. Mark Mosman is probably my first customer ever. Many people don't know this. He is the bald head of the Hypernight figures, and there's a reason why he is forever immortalized in plastic and in our toy line. Mark Mosman was likely the first person to ever buy a Rex Gannon figure from me more than a decade ago and has subsequently bought something from me every step of the way, every project I've done. Um, I believe he is the longest standing customer of everything I do, and uh, I very much appreciate that. And Michael Scottam, Draculaser, this guy just oozes cool. If I was only a little bit younger and taller, I would want to be Michael Scottam. He's a very close friend, and uh, I met him in Barcelona, of all places, and he was the first person I ever told the idea to that I wanted to do a three and three quarter inch retro-styled figure line, and I wanted to utilize other artists to do the artwork, and I wanted them to be sort of like a Kenner figure, but with a little more articulation. Um, Very soon after I had that conversation, with Michael, Super 7 would go on to announce their reaction line and show the alien prototypes that they had rescued, which completely almost deflated my idea that eventually became Knights of the Slice, but it didn't quite. And uh, Draculaser, of course, has designed several figures for us and uh, is doing our October figure for Action Figure of the Month this year. I don't yet know what it's going to be. We've talked about a couple ideas. But I'm looking forward to it. So, Mark and Michael, thank you guys so much from the bottom of my heart. And um, I would like to see you two fight in combat. And I I don't know if I could pick a winner, but I want to see blood. So, I asked you for topics. Here's what you said. Chris Solis, an all-Dune episode, the books, the film, the toys, the series, anything and everything Dune. Lee Mullick agrees with him. Um, this is actually, I do have a list of episodes to do, and Dune is on it, and I don't know if you guys remember, but the very first Distazapods, they were all tied to specific albums, so I did, God, I can't remember now, you know, Tool and Alex Gray, or, you know, I would sort of talk about a topic and relate it to a, a specific album, so on that list, as I was doing the first 10 or so Distazapods, I had um, Dune and Grimes, because Grimes did a concept album about Dune. I believe it's called Getty Prime. It's not very good, but that's fine if you like experimental music. So I I have, since the very inception of Distazapod, planned to talk about Dune in a full episode. Um, I'm sort of feeling like maybe next year is more appropriate as we get closer to the Denny Villeneuve uh, relaunch of his Dune, hopefully, film franchise, which has every amazing actor under the sun in it, and which Oscar Isaac has just called in an interview nightmarish, which I think is the perfect descriptor for Dune. Uh, you want a film to be nightmarish. Um, so, I don't think I'm going to get into Dune today 
because it is probably a, an entire multiple series of decisopods. But um, I'm with you on this. It will happen. It's a great suggestion. And I thank you for that. Sean Houlihan says, how about reviewing music we recommend? And I suggested that, Sean, give me a track of it as an example, and I'll do it now. And if people like this, I'll do an entire episode of these suggestions. So he gave me Psy Boogie from King Gizzard's album, Fishing for Fishies. I have no idea what this is, but I have it queued up on Spotify. So I'm going to give a listen and give you my honest opinion, and uh, we'll go from there. You know what? I like this. I'm going to listen to the entire song on my own, but so far I find it catchy. I like the vocal sort of effect that's on there, and uh, I think it's worthy of a deeper listen. So good job, Sean. What do you guys think? Let me know in the comments if I should do an entire Desazapod with just your music suggestions, and I will riff off of the songs you give me, as I have just demonstrated. Matthew Paquette, Sky Commanders, that's what he wants a Destazapod on. Um, I'm sure I've talked about Sky Commanders on here before. Uh, I do love Sky Commanders. I do think it's a fun line. Uh, There is that sort of Sky Commanders blurb in the Harley and Marley zine that patrons got, uh, hopefully, last month. Um... I don't know that there would be an entire pod in Sky Commanders because there, you know, there was only really one series and we didn't get much outside of that. But I would share with you guys an anecdote about Sky Commanders. And as I was a kid, I was obsessed with uh, television commercials and I wanted to be a child actor. I remember thinking that all children on television were androids because I didn't think that kids could have jobs and be actors. And when it was explained to me that those were real children and they were child actors, I demanded to uh, pursue that. I wanted to be a child actor. And I remember doing a uh, photo shoot in New York City for something. I think it was FAO Schwarz or something like that. And then as my reward, we got to stop at Toys R Us on the way home from New York City. And it was probably like, I think Toys R Us closed at 9. It was like 8.50 we pulled it in the parking lot. It was also a school night, so I was supposed to be asleep by then. And we ran in, and I grabbed the first thing. I I remember it was, uh, I could have a $30 toy. Meanwhile, my parents probably made about $1,000 off of this job and and put it in their pockets. But they were going to allow me a $30 toy. And this was a great deal for me, as far as I was concerned. And uh, I grabbed one of the bigger Sky Commander um, vehicles. 
I can look up which one it was right now. Let's see here. Sky Commander Toys. I remember it was uh, one of the bad guys' uh, vehicles. And it appears... Ah, here it is. The Jackal Raider. Yes, that was it. With General Plague. Um... I remember the second I got home, it was probably about 9.30, and I had to get up, you know, around 6.30 for school, and I set it up over my bed, and I just sort of got, you know, turned the lights off and just just stared directly up at it, just its neon rope, you know, streaming across the room, and just wanting so bad to get out of bed and just start playing with this amazing toy, but I knew I had to wait, and... Um, Sky Commanders is a sort of cool, gimmicky toy line, although they did always end up in terrible knots in your toy box if you weren't sort of neat and tidy and put them away correctly. Um, so thank you for that suggestion, Matthew Paquette. I'm sure we will talk more about Sky Commanders. Um, I guess people's next logical question would be, will I ever do a Sky Commanders painted style figure? I, I don't know if I ever will, but... Um, it, I have warm regards for it, for sure. Moving on to Brian Gloss. Uh, obviously, we have to discuss Taft, the time-traveling president. Also, any person to ever, to ever be president and chief justice. I would like to hear your thoughts on Popey Bandai. Also, maybe a book discussion. These are all great topics, for sure. Uh, Taft, I was a big fan of as a kid. Um, me and Bobby Torres and Josh Guerra had this thing we would do where we would say Taft's name like Shaft, the theme song. Um, we liked that he was a sort of big burly boy and he used to get in fights with the press. Uh, I also had one of the, there's Mark's, I believe it's called Hall of Presidents, these little figurines where you could get all the presidents. And somehow I found a Taft at flea market and I carried it with me everywhere. I thought it was the most hilarious thing. Because he was just so big. And, um, you know, it's funny that you would you would say Taft, the president, because that's one of the only ones that I felt like I had any personal interest or attachment to. Um, my thoughts on Popey Bandai. I collect a lot of Popey stuff, particularly three and three quarter inch Popey stuff. There's a fantastic amount of unique three and three quarter inch figures that came out in Japan from Popey that were sort of running parallel to G.I. Joe and Star Wars. And um, obviously, uh, you know, um, there was distribution that they were doing for those lines, but there are some unique lines that they created that are really fantastic. The World Heroes line, which was also a big inspiration behind that, so the Slice. Um, there's an Ultraman line that's fantastic. There's, there's a lot to talk about and dive into, and I actually think I've talked about this on a previous podcast, but was it a specific one? I don't know. You'd have to go back and check. And then regarding a book discussion, I'll let you in on a little secret. I don't read books. I have lost my knack for it. Uh, I was a voracious reader in my 20s, and I can't sit still long enough to read books anymore. I can read graphic novels, but I do very little reading. I believe there is a cognitive surplus that our modern day devices and apps and websites have sort of eaten up and for me it's rendered me unable to read books um so i'm not the right candidate for it but we will be talking in depth about dune 
and those books at some time in the future. Gordon McKinnon Hall says, it would be interesting to hear your thoughts on European comics. Metal Herlon. 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 Metal Herlon. I believe it's pronounced. Metal Herlon. Or heavy metal, let's say. The work of Takeya. Takeya. Boy, I'm doing really good today with pronunciation. The work of Takeya. Let's just say that. And the super imaginative Chogokin line. And Brian Gloss echoes that some Euro comic talk would be neat. Um, I wish I knew more about European comics. I've only sort of scratched the surface. I, I don't know that I'm the right person to do an entire podcast on them. But uh, they are hugely influential to me. Heavy Metal was sort of one of the early and only sources of pornography for me. Uh, because the local liquor store would sell them to us underage. I think you had to be 18 to buy heavy metal, but it wasn't always clear that there was nudity inside. So, uh, you know, some of the older store owners would still sort of sell them. And that was a a windfall for us. Um, Also, you know, obviously Mobius, uh, Hergay, and Tintin. A lot of my work is hugely influenced by uh, European artists, especially in the sci-fi genre. I still consider that to be a wonderfully rich, compelling, and inspirational sort of pool of materials to draw from. And I would encourage people to look into these things and um, pull more from that than American comics, because I think there's much more interesting and captivating and different storytelling happening there. Uh, I would also definitely recommend, uh, is it Humanoid Publishing, who do Yodorovsky's comic books. Uh, Yodorovsky and Jimenez, I believe the artist is. Um, Son of a Gun is probably the best place to start. It's a western tale. It's very easy to understand and digest, and it's a fantastic, fantastic story. Why it hasn't been a movie, I don't know, because I think it's one of the clearest and most linear stories that Yodorovsky has ever told, and it is fantastic. Uh, I highly recommend that, and then you can kind of get into Meta Barons and some of the weirder stuff. Um, also, Mobius and Yodorovsky did a huge uh, book together. It's called the Incal. It has been re-released. It was it was typically pretty hard to find up until a few years ago. I guess maybe even ten years ago. I guess they reintroduced it. Um, the artwork is amazing. The story is so-so. It's worth looking at. It's it's really quite beautiful. It's two masters of sort of storytelling. Uh, I, I think it's sort of, you know, it, it falls a little short. I think Son of a Gun is a much better tale. But um, definitely worth looking into and, and worth seeing. Uh, you know, maybe I am the right person to do this European comics <laughs> podcast. But I would need to, I'd need to find a co-pilot there that knows more than I do. Uh, regarding Takeya and the super, the SIC line, um, these are great, great, fantastic lines. I still pick up some SICs from time to time. You can actually find pretty good deals on eBay and Amazon from time to time. Uh, the Accumizer, if I'm saying that right, three pack is really a stellar pack to get. Um, 
the SIC line is sort of just always one degree away from being a perfect figure. Sculpting-wise, I don't think there are better-looking toys. Articulation-wise and functionality-wise is where they kind of always lack, because I think the articulation is sort of secondary. But some of the most meaningful interactions with a toy that really just blew my mind were from the SIC line. And uh, Takeya is sort of, you know, probably the driving creative force behind that line. So it's, it's definitely worth checking out for people that don't know. I think we've covered on Toy Pizza uh, some of the figures. I know we did the Spider-Man SIC figure that was released for Spider-Man 3. And that's a really cool figure. So you guys could probably go and watch that video now and get a little taste of what SIC is all about and why it's kind of really important. Uh, Thomas Yante reminds me of something I forgot to bring up at the beginning of the podcast. With Death Stranding or just all of Kojima's work, and he's excited for me to finish the game. Well, what I meant to mention in the news area, and which I have written down right in front of me and still forgot, was that I have I completed in the same day, uh, this past Sunday, both Watchmen, the HBO series, and Death Stranding. So it was a solid, you know, four hours of... Uh, bringing into culmination these hugely important pieces of work from some master storytellers. And I got to say, both both sort of uh, properties are definitely worth your time. The HBO series for Watchmen really had such a hard job ahead of itself and and, uh, had creative people at the helm that you know, people didn't necessarily trust. And I have to say that the the Watchmen HBO series delivered uh, above and beyond what I expected and what it should have been able to do. And I think you can arguably say it is a better product than the original Watchmen comic at this point. Because as seminal as the Watchmen original comic is, um... It is not, how can I put this? It is not sort of, it's not real life and it is anchored in the language and the trappings of comics in the 80s, for better or for worse. Um, The HBO series is able to sort of excel beyond that original source material because it gets to infuse present day life and politics and sort of themes uh, with also the hindsight and the knowledge of what made that original comic so amazing. And with that insight, they've managed to really walk this very thin tightrope and put together a show that is just phenomenal and really quite excellent. Um, So that's Watchmen. And then Death Stranding... Uh, boy, it really, you have to play this game, and it's not a perfect game by any stretch of the imagination, and I do actually think I, I will do a Kojima retrospective podcast in, a, in and of its own, and I will probably dive deeper into Death Stranding at that point. Uh, what I would reveal now, though, is, um, 
a couple small critiques I had for the game that I think kept it from being the greatest game I've ever played. Um, one is the sparseness of the world. Now, I'm trying to think of how to phrase this. I, You know, I think of games like Breath of the Wild or Skyrim. When I think of, you know, the environment being probably the most important, crucial element of those games. But with Breath of the Wild and with Skyrim, which are set apart by, I think, a decade or more in time, um, you are rewarded for exploration. Where in Death Stranding, which is marketed as this big, massive world, uh, there is almost nothing in the world. There's, there's not a lot of surprises. There's not a lot of discovery. There's not a lot of variety. There's not any animals. Um, it, 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 because of that sparseness, it actually ends up being kind of rails on in a lot of respects. And that would be okay, but I, but the marketing for the game was very much not that. It was playing up how big and expansive this game is. And I think that, um, I imagine that, you know, they could change this with DLC in the future or with updates, but I found that to be something that was lacking because it is pretty straightforward based on all the trailers and everything you've seen, and it could have used that reward for, for exploration. Now, there are certain Easter eggs and surprises to uncover, but when you compare it to something like Metal Gear 5, which was an unfinished game that was uh, put out under great duress and with limitations to the creative process, Kojima here had a blank check and a ticket to do whatever he wanted, and that's where these embellishments could have really been used. Um, the second thing is the marketing from Kojima himself was that this was a new genre of game. This is a strand game. And it's going to have connectivity like unlike anything else. You're going to play with your friends. That's not the case at all. I think this is this is a huge, uh, you know, bill of goods that they sold in this regard. And what you're left with is a game that has less functionality than the first Dark Souls. <laughs> you know, which is an old game at this point. The first Dark Souls, you could at least summon other players, get their help and take on a boss. Um, that's not an option here. Your interactivity is, is basically reduced to liking other people's structures. And granted, their structures do help out from time to time. But um, this might as well have been a completely offline game because it really, I don't see the difference that um, the connectivity that they played up as a major selling point, I don't see you know, the fruits of that labor being worthy of being front and center in the marketing. Uh, boss fights also largely completely optional and pretty forgettable. Another missed opportunity there. If you think of Kojima and his body of work, the boss fights are really something you still think about and still talk about to this day. Sniper Wolf, uh, the bee guy from Snake Eater, at all the bosses from Snake Eater. Like, when you think of Kojima, you think of these boss fights. Now, granted, and I, uh, you know, I'm not giving too much away here, 
Higgs is the main, yeah, let's say he's the main villain of the series. And his boss fight is phenomenal and graceful and beautiful and cinematic and crazy and fun. And, and that is the boss fight experience you want from Kojima. And there you do get those in little bits, but you don't get it, uh, you know, in too major of a way. Um, so, you know, that's sort of uh, some top-level thinking on Death Stranding. With all that being said, it is really worth playing. It is really an achievement of a game. It is a beautiful game. I've never seen acting as good as in this game. Um, and the ending is very poignant and very beautiful and very cinematic. I sort of think this could have been a CGI movie without the gameplay in between, and it would probably have been better for it in some respects. Um, but I will dive in. I, I do think we need a Kojima Dostazapod. I do want to do that. And uh, I will give a sort of full spoilers breakdown of Death Stranding. Uh, if you guys have played it and completed it, I do want to know from you... If you think my comments are sort of on the money, or if I'm crazy. So please, let me know. Chris Warner, favorite toys from cereal, fruit snack boxes. I love the Shark Bites Glow Sharks. Oh, Chris, you are speaking to my heart, my friend. This is a, a perfect question, a perfect topic. I don't know that we need to do an entire episode on this. Uh, there is a Toy Pizza episode on cereal premiums you should watch. We go through some really cool ones. Uh, I agree with you 100%. The, the uh, Shark Bites Glow Sharks were amazing, and I used to love to chew them, too, because they usually, they kind of had that fruity smell from the sort of snacks still on them. Um, I loved cereal premiums. My When I would go to visit my grandmother's house, the only toys she had there were sort of cereal premiums left over from when we would go and visit and she would buy sugary cereal for us. So in this little bin, I had, you know, a little Captain Crunch figure. I had a Tony the Tiger plush. I had a Wacky Wall Walker from Fruit Loops. I had a Shark Bites. And this was my little ragtag group of fun when I was at my grandmother's house where there was sort of nothing to do and, and nothing terribly interesting going on. Um, so I, I do have a very soft spot for these premium toys and figures. Go back and watch the Toy Pizza episode. I think we did it some justice there. And uh, I do think I'm hard-pressed to pick a better one than those glow sharks because they were, they felt like finding treasure. They were absolute gold to me. And probably part of the reason I love doing glow-in-the-dark figures, let's face it. Like, that definitely set me down that pathway that still has its effect on me to this very day. Trevor Petkiss would like to hear the story of the Jazzwares Trigun figures. Uh, I will tell that story at some point in the future, but I think people could probably do a little investigative reporting on uh, eBay. I have seen them pop up from time to time. There is an interesting story there. When the time is right, I will share it with you guys. Mark Wells, Vintage Marvel Toy Biz. Uh, we've, do we've dove into this a little bit in the past. There are a couple episodes with uh, the Toy Boys, Bobby and Josh of Destazapod, 
go back and uh, check out those episodes. I believe we did the video games All-Stars line. Uh, we did Blade, I think. We've talked a little bit about vintage toy biz. Um, also, my roommate, when I first moved to New York City, was Jesse Falcon, who is responsible for Marvel Legends and, you know, a lot of the the direction that led Toy Biz to start making the Marvel Legend type figures. He, he's been an employee there for a very long time. He now works, I believe, for, I guess he would technically be a Disney employee, but under the Marvel banner on the films. Um, we've dove a little bit into that in the past. There are There is more coming up. Um, I'd like to know from you guys, what is your favorite vintage Marvel toy biz pre-Marvel Legends toy line? I'd love to hear your thoughts on that. Charlie Wrighton, uh, he'd like to get my thoughts on big corporations, many attempts to incorporate a parts swap customization features uh, from a whole concept like Zevos or an afterthought like Star Wars versions and the various levels of success. Um, you know, I think that if I'm reading between the lines here, I think that there's there's a um, a feeling that big corporations are trying to copy Glios and the customization feeling. Um, I don't know how true or false that may be, but um, I think that customization has always existed in some regards. I, I don't think that Glios. The Glios pegs system and Onel invented it. Uh, you know, I and and I don't know that sort of big companies are sort of necessarily trying to mimic or copy that. I think that largely our efforts fly under the radar for most people. And, and I think that you know, since Lego, the idea of part swapping is a pretty universal play pattern. Um, I don't know if it predates Lego. I, maybe it does, maybe it doesn't, but I think Lego are probably the biggest, most universally beloved toy line. That sort of demonstrated the power of being able to have some customization and part swapping. So I really think that any any big company that tries to incorporate that is is likely doing so more because of Lego rather than our efforts. Um, and I think that, uh, as far as various varying degrees of success, I would say, you know, what big corporate toy lines are still around that have parts customization with the exception of Lego and, and the sort of, uh, building aisle. And I don't know that there are too many. Uh, you know, I, I think of, I know there's like a WWE line that had, sort of part swapping and zombie parts and monster parts and things like that. And I, I don't think that that's their focus anymore. You know, these gimmicks kind of come in and out of toy lines. I, I think, generally speaking, there's not a lot of innovation that happen at, at big toy companies. And I think the innovation and the excitement is at our level, you know, in the trenches. And... Um, you also mentioned Zevos, and you mentioned Stickfas in a follow-up, and those are an interesting line to draw, and it kind of relates to uh, Friends of Knights of the Slice in, in a way. So Stickfas was a, a guy named Ben YJ, and uh, he was based, I believe, out of Hong Kong. Now, I was in touch with Ben YJ many years ago. He was in 
the first subcultures art of the action figure show I did. And, you know, we only ever corresponded via email, seemed like a nice guy, and he was very supportive of my efforts. Pretty soon after that, he got uh, picked up by Hasbro. They had a deal together, and I believe it was our friend Wayne Losley that was uh, spearheading that relationship and sort of, uh, you know, helping try to make a home for StickFuzz in the U.S. I think that there was some new tooling that they did together. There was distribution. There was a, a lot of things going on. And Zevos was an offshoot of that. Now, whether Van YJ had any dealing or design work with Zevos, or if it was solely Wayne and his team sort of taking that idea and running with it, I, I don't know. But, um, you know, there's a sort of direct line and lineage to those things. Uh, but again, are those toy lines still around today? No, they are not. So, um, you know, I don't know if the gimmick helped or hurt them at the end of the day. But uh, whenever there's a, a line that's out that has some sort of part swap or customization, I tend to like to pick up one of each figure and just kind of see what they've done there and see if there's anything interesting, um, any new innovations that are worthy of uh, checking out. So, uh, good topic idea, and um, I'd like to hear you guys' thoughts. Are the big corporations ripping off Glios? Are they chasing that uh, that big O'Neill dollar? You let me know. Gavin Rader. I wouldn't mind more stories from your past creations. The Leviathan was an excellent esoteric pod that got my imagination rolling. Also, any insights into snowblower maintenance and how to keep your driveway free of ice and snow? Lord knows, Gavin, this is a constant source of consternation for me. It seems impossible to keep my driveway free of ice in particular. Uh, We are on a mountainside. We are on top of the reservoir that feeds into all of Manhattan in all of New York City, and we also have a running stream through our property. We are constantly battling the ice. Uh, I don't have a solution yet, but I am about to invest in one of those flamethrowers. Regarding more stories about my past creations and that you like the Leviathan podcast, there are more sort of big stories like that coming. I have to do it when the mood is right because I can't force... Uh, something that is so uh, creatively heavy to lift. Um, For those who like stories about past creations, I did just post about uh, Montana Midnight. You can check that out. And then you can spend the rest of the evening watching old Stuntmasters television show, which is really fantastic. I fell asleep watching it last night. It is so awesome. Um, Moving on to Brett Lawson. This time last year, I'd never heard of Knights of the Slice. I ran across a review for Desert Rat on 16bit.com, and I hit the link. Thank you, Adam Paulus, for that, by the way. My first figure was the Army Green Desert Rat Material Boy. I was blown away by the detail and just how cool the figure was, not to mention the fast shipping. Fast forward to now, I have more knights than I can count. I'm a $25 patron and proud of it. I look at it as an investment on a new way of making and collecting toys. I have always collected Star Wars and other toys from my youth, but it's just the same old, same old. With Toy Pizza, you never know what's coming around the corner. It brings back some mystery, some magic to collecting that I feel has been lost. 
It's just a new outlook for me, and it's fun. Thanks for all the amazing hard work and amazing toys. Keep it going. Action Favorite Month 2020! Exclamation point, exclamation point, exclamation point. Also, just a second thought. This is a great community on here. You guys rock. Brett, this is so very nice to read. Thank you very much for your sentiment. Uh, I'm so happy you found us. I'm happy that you are picking up on what we're putting down in that toys need to be surprising. They need to be fun. We need to keep you guys guessing. We need to take risks and do bigger and better things. And it makes me really happy when people pick up on that. And uh, that is the entire purpose here. I want to get back to toys being fun and surprising. I often think about when I went to Child World in Hamden, Connecticut, which was a competitor to Toys R Us, which is long gone now. Both of them are long gone now. I walked in there, and this is, uh, you know, the height of the Ninja Turtle panic. And there's this kid in the turtle section, which was an entire, must have been a 12-foot section at that point. And he's holding this brand new turtle I had never seen before, never, did not know the character, never saw it in the comic or in the cartoon. He's holding a character called Slash. And I was so furious and envious that this kid had it, and he was like taunting me with it. And he was showing me all the new characters that had come out. And there were only a few left. It must have just been a brand new case that was put out that morning. And I got a scumbug instead. It was one of the other new figures from that wave. I really wanted Slash. There were no more Slash. I was happy to get Scumbug. And that surprise, just that out of the blue, this brand new figure sitting on the shelf I know nothing about, that has been missing from toys since then. You know, probably 30 years. And what I'm trying to bring back, and what this has all been about, is that slash surprise. Just going to the store and getting blindsided by something you never knew existed. An entire character, an entire story waiting to be discovered for you. Um, It's not just a sort of He-Man colorway put on a stock body of a Glyos toy line. These are unique characters. They're looking to surprise you. They want to pull you into the mystery. And that's what this is all about. And I I really am very happy uh, when you guys appreciate and pick up on the curated surprise, because that's what this is all about. In particular, that's what the Action Figure of the Month Club is about. But I think also our general releases, I, I really try to surprise people. We got a lot of surprises coming up. The Cyber Mama painted figures are going to blow your mind. They're going to blow my mind too because I haven't seen them yet. But here's hoping all the deco's right. I think that's going to be a major milestone for us. Uh, We got capsule surprises coming up. By the way, uh, probably should have mentioned at the top of the show, we are doing a capsule giveaway. I got these beautiful, clear capsule version 2 test shots from the factory. I love them. Now, clear was not a style I was going to run in the capsules, but in seeing this test shot, I immediately reached out to the factory and I said, I got to change my order immediately. I need clear added to the rollout. Um, So I'm giving one of them away. This is a -a one-of-a-kind test shot. There are little flecks of different colored plastic in, in this clear. It's really quite unique. I don't give away 
a ton of these early test shots and paint samples and stuff, but this is your chance to win one. If you are an active patron, you are already entered to win, but go and drop a comment in the post and in the thread. Um, I'm looking forward to putting this in the hand of one lucky patron. I'd prefer if you don't resell this. It's kind of special, but I'll leave that to you. And I, I do want to echo what Brent said. This is an absolutely great community. Our Facebook and Instagram community are pretty damn good too. And there's a lot of great people there. I feel like the Patreon is just so excellent. I really wake up in the morning and I look forward to sharing something with you guys because I think it's just so lovely. You know, you guys give me your hard-earned money and I hope in exchange there are surprises for you, whether it's a new pod or if you follow the Lens uh, stories on uh, the Patreon app and you get to see my pickups and things like that. Um, or it's a, you know, it's a post or it's a work in progress or I share a sculpt or a tooling model. I love doing this stuff. Uh, I, I feel really down about social media right now. I, I don't like Facebook and I don't like Google and I don't like Instagram. But I feel like the Patreon, this paywall, however inconvenient it may seem at first, it's actually made things better for us. It's given me much more drive to do these things. It's created this amazing barrier for trolls and people with negative comments and things like that. I really consider everything you guys post on Patreon to be very constructive and very helpful and informative to me in my process. And I think that's... Um, you know, if it if it costs people a dollar or five dollars a month, um, I kind of think it's worth it. It's a good way to weed out agitators. And uh, you know, if you if you go into Facebook, you guys know it's three or four people that just seem incapable of posting anything positive. Even when they're posting something that should be positive, they just have this tone that is it's like Debbie Downer from the SNL skit. It's like, guy, wake up here. Yeah, get your words straight, Jack. You're on a message board about colorful toys and playthings. Can you not have some shred of positivity or excitement about you? Do you have to point out obvious flaws or negative aspects of things? It's really only, we're talking about a, not even a handful of people, but you guys know who I'm talking about. Uh, meanwhile, here on Patreon, it's all roses, it's all baguettes, fresh, warm baguettes from the oven of artisanal Parisian bakers. And guess what? It's gluten-free, too, and there's, there's no added sugar. And for some reason, this bread is very low in carbs, and you're not going to exceed your maximum 50-day gram carb allowance, not with these. And inside, mashed potatoes. And that's what Patreon is like. Um, so that was a huge digression, but we got one more question here. Topic suggestion, Brian Doran, another Toy Boys episode. It's been a minute. I agree. I got to get Josh and Bobby back on. Um, they're two busy guys. Those are my boys though. Uh, yeah, I got to get them back and we got to figure out a topic and a time. I'm going to text them as soon as I get done with this. I promise you guys are going to text the boys. We're going to figure out what we want to talk about. And go back and listen to those Toy Boy episodes. I think they're particularly good. 
They're a lot of fun. It takes a long time to get Bobby online. His phone seems to always disconnect. I don't know. But we're going to make it work. It's going to be fantastic. Um, so that was all your topic suggestions. I want to thank you guys. I, I've written some of these down to become full episodes. Feel free to keep posting here. Um, and I'll keep annotating the topics that I think are definitely worthy of future Dostazapods. Right now, the two leading ones are a Dune podcast, which I've been meaning to do since the beginning, and uh, a Kojima retrospective. I think that's very valuable. There's a really great series. I don't know what YouTube channel it's on, but Felix Biederman has been playing all the Metal Gear Solid games in chronological order, and I find it very interesting to watch. And he's a very funny guy. Um, So check those out. You might like them. Uh, I think that just about does it here, guys. You've been wonderful. Uh, I'd like to know what you're asking for toy-wise for Christmas. I'm not going to buy them for you, nor am I going to talk to Santa on your behalf, but I'm just curious what people are looking for. Um, I just bit the bullet and had to order online the WWE Masters of the Universe figures. I don't really like wrestling, but I'm very drawn to these figures for some reason. I can't quite describe it, but I want to get my hands on them. I want to check them out. Maybe I'll split the lot with Bobby, and uh, it's going to be fun. So I hope you guys have happy holidays. I will probably still be doing Dostazapods. I don't foresee myself taking a break because I enjoy doing this. And uh, we got a lot of paint samples and first shots and test shots and tooling models coming in over the next month or so. It's going to be a lot to see. So the only thing left to say is pizza out. Oh my god, I almost forgot the most important birthday of all time. Siva Jack, happy birthday, buddy. Sorry, I totally, there's so many birthdays in December. Also, I'm just remembering now, Bobby Torres' birthday. My God, what is with December? Good on you guys. So, Bobby Torres, Mark Mosman, Siva Jack, Michael Scottum, probably forgetting other people. Happy birthday to you.